I was talking to my dad and I was really depressed because this is literally something that was going to happen. We were going to have to shut down. From Spal Dameron Tenney, it's the Prosperous Doc Podcast. Real stories, real inspiration, real growth. A show for doctors who are ready to improve their overall wellness in every aspect of life. Now here's your host, Shane Tenney. Welcome back to another episode of Prosperous Doc Podcast. I'm Shane, glad to have you with us. And today we're talking personal branding a concept that is uh, pretty familiar to people in business school or in marketing. Occasionally, even dentists have had some exposure here and often a foreign concept to those of you in medicine, building a personal brand. Whether you're in practice, whether you're employed, your personal brand is your professional identity. And that's where we're going today. As you know, medical and dental school, lots of didactic training, lots of clinical knowledge, very light on marketing business branding. And so we've got a guest today who fell victim to the lack of business training like so many doctors do. And now it's his mission to guide doctors and practice owners to avoid the same fate and not only thrive financially, but be able to serve your patients better and build a practice on your own terms. I'd like to welcome Dr. Ernesto Gutierrez, who is the host of the Highway to Health podcast. If you want to check that out after you're done listening to this one, and founder of the Practice Growth Formula, Dr. E. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for the invitation, Shane. I'm really looking forward to this. All right. I hope I did justice to your background and where we're headed today. You did really, really well. I'm actually <laughs> going to swipe that and send it as a, an intro blurb to other podcasts. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Uh, I think your story has a great beginning or maybe not great beginning. If we go back about eight years, 2012, I think you were the captain of a sinking ship. Start us out there. So yeah, so I somehow inherited a practice. First, I was put in charge and then the original owner just wanted out. I was uh, mostly medical tourism, regenerative medicine, so stem cell clinic in Cancun. And it was, it was sinking, as you very well said it, because as physicians, we tend to think that all we need to do is to really focus on our skills, focus on honing our skills, on, on growing our skill set, on serving our patients and being really good for our patients. And then business is just going to happen. And through the matter, that's, that's very far from it. And I'm sure that some other entrepreneurs in other fields are listening to this and going like, well, of course. But for us as doctors, it, it is a completely foreign concept. And sure enough, things just, I mean, we were just were not making ends meet. We were maybe a quarter, maybe six months away from having to close down. That was how bad. So when you took over, or I guess were handed the reins what were the warning signs? What caused you to realize like, oh, this is actually not, clinically, we're fine. Our clinical medicine is fine. Business-wise, we're not fine. What was that warning sign? Well, the warning sign was that we had, we had entire weeks where we didn't see a single patient. So the, the type of protocol that we were doing, like you said, it's medical tourism. So people would travel from literally all over the world by the end of it, and they would stay with us for a week and we'd do a whole protocol. So we rarely saw more than six or seven patients per week. But each one of these treatments is obviously high ticket. For a long time, we had two, three, four, even five weeks straight with no patients at all. Like nobody was coming in. We were barely getting any requests in for information. Nobody was visiting our website. Nobody was filling out requests. Basically, people didn't know we existed. So we had this 
phenomenal clinic. We had one of the very only ISO 7 labs for research outside of the United States. It was FDA built to FDA specifications. I mean, everything top of the line, but nobody knew we were there. Patient acquisition just wasn't there. And I think you're bringing up medical tourism, which of course is a, a pretty narrow aspect of medicine right now. But I think with healthcare in the US and the way things are evolving, I know what I hear a lot from folks and even observe personally is starting to be this, this stratification of medicine. And as concierge medicine or direct primary care or these sorts of these aspects grow, the ability of a doctor to just sign up with an insurance company and have a flood of people isn't there if you're in a private practice wanting to build fee-for-service type medicine or concierge medicine or those sorts of things. Since then, I think that led to some aha moments for you. Start there. So I remember, I, you know, I've, I've told the story before and it was Sunday night and my parents had flown over to visit me and I was living by myself at the time in Cancun. And so they stayed with me for, you know, a couple of days and it was Sunday night and uh, I was talking to my dad and I was really depressed because this is literally something that was going to happen. We were going to have to shut down. It wasn't even maybe it was, it was, I mean, like we're headed there, right? And so I was talking to him and he mentioned something. He's not even a physician. He, he does nothing of the sort. And he said, you know what? I think part of the problem is that throughout your schooling, throughout your training, throughout the previous jobs that you've had, you've always had a mentor to show you as a physician, you're shadowing someone, you're learning from their skill set, you're learning how they deal with patients, you're learning how they solve clinical problems, but you've never really learned any of this from a business mentor. You've never had anyone that you can shadow and you can learn how to run a business from, how to do marketing from, how to do all these different aspects that are a big part of running a practice. Because one of the things when we become entrepreneurs as physicians, we need to realize that we are no longer just the person providing the service. We have to be the entrepreneur who happens to manage and market a healthcare service business, right? And I didn't have that click. So that's when something clicked. At first, I was kind of offended because as every doctor is, is like, well, that's not the thing. I don't do this. You know, we tend to think that we don't do this for the money and that's not the reason why I started this and blah, 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 right? But in reality, we kind of need money just like everyone else. But after a while, I just let it kind of like marinate there. And I realized that he was absolutely right. So come Monday, I started just as diligently as I used to study everything else. I started studying business and marketing. And somehow I stumbled upon my, my mentor. And there's a book by Darren Hardy, The Compound Effect. And I've told him this. I said, this book changed my life because I realized that there were so many things that I just didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and that started me on the path. And I eventually ended up working with them directly in very, very close business forums. It was almost unbelievable because I went to one of these trainings, one of these forums, and I remember, I remember the story. Well, I tell the story that he asks for, there's an application. And once you fill the application, they say, you need to submit a $500 deposit so that we'll read your application. And if we think you're a good fit, we'll, you know, you'll continue the process. If we don't think you're a good fit, we'll return your 500 bucks. And I remember entering my credit card details at that time and thinking, worst case scenario, they're going to say yes, and I'll have to figure out how to come up with the other 14,500. And so they said yes, and I eventually figured it out. And I went over there and it was a matter, I mean, maybe two and a half months afterwards that we had literally turned it around and we were growing. We started acquiring patients because we really didn't have the skills. That was the problem. We didn't have the skills that we needed. 
and among the many skills, I mean, I think the one that we were kind of leading with on the top of the show here is, is just branding and that personal branding. And so you went from depressed conversation with dad, aha book, compound effect, personal coach, three months later, or some rapid timeline like this, and you were already beginning to see the effect of the change in your own thinking and the change in your own behaviors, I guess, yeah. which around at, at the very least involve personal branding. So help connect the dots. What is personal branding? What's it have to do with getting patients? So there's a definition of personal branding, and it says that personal branding is what people say about you when you're not around. And it's basically how you're perceived by the marketplace, right? And there's a truth that a lot of physicians don't like and that I don't agree with. I wish it wasn't true, but it is true. And it is that patients don't go to the best doctor. They simply don't. They go to the one they perceive as the best. And the problem is that if we as physicians don't start trying to position ourselves, trying to create that perception of expertise, of experience, of, of, of skillfulness into our patients, into our marketing, into the, our community, our patients are simply not going to be able to perceive those things. And that's why you see all these doctors complain about patients being stolen by untrained professionals, patients going to scammers, patients doing all those things. And it is because the scammers and all those people are actually being perceived as experts by these patients who need a service at that time, and they simply cannot find the physicians right. So that's, now that you bring it as like connected dots, that's literally what we started doing. We started creating and branding ourselves because that was the one thing that nobody else could do. Like, sure, you can get stem cell therapy. And at the time you could get it in Panama, you could get it in Costa Rica, you could get it in Dominican Republic, you could get it all over the place. Well, several places, but you couldn't get it from me in those places. If you wanted to get it from me, you needed to come to my clinic. And that's exactly what I work with so many doctors right now. Like you, we need to create your personal brand so that people will want to go with you. They don't, they will not want plastic surgery. They will not want a breast augmentation. They will want a breast augmentation with you. They will want to get any kind of services with you. And to your point, if personal branding is, if our working definition here is, you know, it's what people say about you when you're not there, that doesn't just mean good or bad. It also relevant is, are they saying anything at all? Is, Absolutely. Do people even know you to make comments when you're not there? I think is a relevant part of probably what your work is through practice growth formula now. Absolutely. Well, so in practice growth formula, and it has grown as, as you and I were, were talking about before we started recording. At first, I started coaching and consulting some of my friends because they saw the results that we were having. And then they start recommending me. And when they started sending me or recommending me, putting me in touch with people I didn't know, I started charging for it. So that's been my side gig for a while now. And as such, there's a lot of things that we do from marketing, from sales, from coaching, from consulting in general. Honestly, if I could, if I could say one thing that I'm focusing a lot of my time on right now is really, really banging the drums on the need for us as physicians to position ourselves as experts in our field. And there's a person that I've gotten to know on, on LinkedIn. He's called, his name is Matthew, Matthew Ray Scott. And he says that doctors should become the specialist within their specialty. And that is a way of branding. That is a way of, of really standing out, of really putting yourself out there so that patients can, number one, get to know you, know that you exist. But number two, also realize and understand that you're the person that they want to have around when they have the need for that thing. 
you work with doctors who are not only in private practice, but also docs who are employed. Yeah. For physicians who are employed in a healthcare system or a hospital system or something like that, why is it important for them to work on their personal brand? Because they need options. I think that if there's one thing that a lot of doctors have learned, especially employed physicians that have learned from 2020, is that their job is not as safe as they thought it was. I've gotten so many requests to work with doctors these past couple of months because it's doctors that suddenly they got their hours cut, suddenly they got their benefits cut, suddenly they got laid off, and they've lost all income. They've lost everything. I mean, obviously the practice, the private practice physicians as well, suddenly they couldn't open and they couldn't serve their patients. So it's like, okay, well, I can't go to work, so I cannot make money. But the ones who thought they had a job and they had job security, suddenly they don't have any of that. And I give the example, there's a doctor that I work with and we helped her because she has been building that personal brand. We helped her really pivot and start serving a community that she had already been building on the side. We helped her pivot and start creating a coaching, health coaching program for them that is now bringing more than six figures. In just a matter of weeks, she was able to do that. So it basically means that she has options. Now, let's assume that you're a cardiologist and you're employed by a hospital group and you decide that you want to start building your personal brand and you want to start talking about the importance of, in general, wellness and healthy eating. And there's somebody that I connected with recently that does a lot of, he's a cardiologist interventionalist and he does a lot of work with mindfulness and things like that. So what if he starts building a community around the importance of meditation and mindfulness and all these things in order to improve your heart and your... Now, suddenly, he has a following of X amount of people. And if he's invited to give a speech at a conference, now his fees just went up because he can sell that many more tickets. Now, if he wants to write a book, he doesn't have to write it and self-publish it and hope that his mom and his wife read them. He'll probably have a publishing house, right? Yeah, you'll laugh because it is true. (laughs) He'll probably have a publishing house come to him and say, listen, we'll pay you this much to write the book because we need to have your name on it so that we can sell more books of that. And also his practice is going to reap those benefits because people will get to know him and will say, I want to go be seen by him. It's just a matter of having, of having options, having alternatives. And you might love your job and that's great. But if you had that alternative, wouldn't it be even greater? That's excellent. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to ask you how you do this with people and what are some of the things they need to be aware of. We'll be right back after this. I'm Will Coster, bringing you this episode's financial wellness tip. A common misconception is that your expenses will decrease in retirement. The thought is that your liability payments should decrease, such as paying off your mortgage, or your kids will be through college and finally off the payroll. While this may be true, and some of your expenses have decreased, we often find that in the first few years of retirement, many of your lifestyle expenses actually increase due to the newfound freedom in your daily schedule. Imagine every day being Saturday. Things like vacations, dining, and gifts become more frequent and sometimes more extravagant. When the topic of retirement comes up in the doctor's lounge or in a conversation online, one may be led to think that preparing for retirement is just about your 401k or having some passive income. In fact, a thoughtful approach to retirement planning is more than just amassing a large sum of money. There are significant factors such as distribution strategies, tax planning, 
guaranteed income, and others that should be considered when creating a plan for successful retirement. Do you need some help? Download the SDT Retirement Checklist to find our take on a retirement checklist. Ensure you have addressed those important factors. Download it now. Find the link to the SDT Retirement Checklist in the show notes. For this episode's financial wellness tip, I'm Will Coster. All right, so we're talking with Dr. Ernesto Gutierrez about his vision for helping practitioners build their personal brand. And I loved your answer before the break about regardless of whether you're in private practice or employed, building your personal brand gives you options. And I can't think of many things that are more valuable than having options in life. What's involved in building a personal brand? Does this mean I got to have a logo for myself like Prince? Do I have to have a podcast? Do I have to create videos or book series? or what? How complicated is this? It's actually not complicated, not as complicated as we tend to think. As, as physicians, one thing that I found out, and I thought I was the only one that suffered with this, and now I've realized that it's almost every doctor that I work with, that's the exact same thing that we think. Okay, 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 yeah, you sold me on it. I'm going to build a personal brand. And I say, okay, great. So here we are. Let me know if you have any questions. A couple of days later, I hear back from them and they said, well, I started looking into logos and what do you think I should have? Or somebody else goes into the, should I open an LLC? So should I start an LLC for this? Like, no, 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 you're, you're too far away from, from what we need. What you really need to figure out is the first step, identify the people you want to serve. And they can be the kind of patients that you already have. They can be the kind of patients that you want to have, or they can be not as closely related to your patients. So for instance, if you're a pediatrician, Define the kind of parents that you want to be educating on. Define the kind of, of people that you want to be serving. And don't think about it in a way of, oh, I need to make sure that they're the right kind of patient for my practice or they need to live in my... No, 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 forget about that because that's not what you want. You want to create a community. And this community can be all over the world, right? So you need to figure out, okay, who are they and how are you going to serve them? When you identify those things, you'll be able to see where they are. So for instance, I've just been working with a physician's assistant and she loves working with children. She's been working in a, in a pediatric clinic her entire life, her entire career, and she works mostly with newborns and we're creating that brand for her. And that's exactly what we define. Okay, so first time parents, because they have all these questions, they, have, they get so much information the last couple of months of their first baby, their, the pregnancy, right? And when it's showtime, they forget all of it right? And they want to have access to somebody. Okay. So that's how you're going to serve them. That's exactly where you're going to be at. So we've decided that that's what they need. And because that's the kind of person, that's the kind of needs that they have, we decided on a podcast, but it might've been an Instagram profile. It might've been a blog. It might've been a YouTube channel. It doesn't have to be all of them. And it doesn't have to be the one that X or Y guru is telling you about. Think about the person you're trying to serve and think about what do you enjoy doing? If you hate yourself on video, no matter how much they tell you that you need to be on YouTube, you probably shouldn't be on YouTube. If you hate your voice or if you have a speech impairment, then probably a podcast is not a great idea for you, despite the fact that you heard that Joe Rogan makes like a million dollars per episode or I don't know how much, right? And the recipe is, is fairly universal. I know you've helped docs in the US and Canada and Europe, Australia, all around the world. It's kind of the similar type formula of identify who you want to serve, how you're going to serve them, and then how are you going to get that message out? 
and then be consistent. That's the most important thing because a lot of the time we tend to think on, okay, what do I need to do? And we define who we want to serve. We define our strategy. We define this. We post once, we post two times, we post three times. Then we start posting less because, oh, nobody's looking at it. Nobody's reading it. And then less and less and less. And then suddenly we have a hundred people in our email list and we email them once every three months. We get upset when they unsubscribe. Like, well, it's because you're not showing up for them. So we need to identify that when we want to build this personal brand, we need to be consistent. I think the most important ingredient of this whole thing is the consistency and think that this is a long-term investment. If you want to turn things around in two months, it's probably not going to happen just with this. And I know I mentioned that, that it took us five, six weeks. It wasn't the only thing we did. It was definitely, we began doing that at the time, but it didn't really yield fruit until maybe 18 months later. And 18 months after I had been consistently showing up for my audience, day in, day out, all day, all the time, and you're there and you're there. And that's what I tell people. Like, listen, do you think that Dr. Oz built his brand? Whether you love him or hate him, the guy's a brilliant marketer. And do you think he built his brand by showing up once and then I'm just not going to show up today and uh, then the next day? And no, the guy's everywhere. And he writes articles and he writes posts and he, you know, you follow his social media and he's all the time, interviews and this and that, because he needs to be present. If he doesn't, just his brand starts diluting and starts, starts, you know, going weaker. Mm -hmm. That's a great point about just the consistency, because I know all of us have had the experience of going to a conference, you get excited, you sign up, you pay some, and then you come back home, you come back to the office, the practice, everybody else rolls their eyes. And then the fire goes out and you say, well, that was a waste of money. It only was because you didn't execute and you didn't follow the consistency. So uh, now part of your work or your vision or your, I guess, skill in helping folks build their personal brand is around podcasting. You have hosted a podcast for almost the last two years. Talk a little bit about just the factors that go into helping figure out if that's an approach that someone should be pursuing. Well, so the reason reason I began that, and that actually became a spinoff company and it's called Podcast in a Box. And the reason we started that was because I realized that a lot of the doctors that we were helping, they really had this sort of aversion to being on camera. So whether it is the photos or whether it is the videos, they really don't like it, number one. And number two, they really have very weird hours, a lot of them. And so we found that a podcast can solve for both of those things because with the right equipment, a lot of them, they do educational podcasts, they do a mini series, they do things like that. So it's very easy to record in a hotel room, to record at home in the morning, very early in the morning, very late in the evening. When they have a chance in their office, they can batch record five, six, 10, 12 episodes for them. And for us, it's very easy to manage it for them. So that's why we, we kind of like went down that route. But, but people then think that, oh yeah, so, so everyone should have a podcast. No, not necessarily. If your audience doesn't listen to podcasts, you shouldn't have a podcast. If you hate podcast. You shouldn't have a podcast, right? Because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of, there is effort involved in it, whether you do it yourself or you hire it out. Maybe you're not putting in a lot of work. You're just recording, but then you're putting in some money so that somebody else can be marketing it and editing it and putting it together and making sure that people are listening to it because it makes no sense to create all these assets and then not market them. And social media though, plays a a real role. I know that feels that alone, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Insta, TikTok, you know, LinkedIn, whatever, is overwhelming for a lot of folks, period. And, and certainly a lot of folks in, in medicine and dentistry with demanding jobs and just don't have the bandwidth for it. 
but you can't overlook some aspect of social in your personal branding development, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I didn't realize if you were asking me or you were building up on something. I agree, but I also think that, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Pareto principle, the 80-20. We need to figure out. Tell the Pareto principle for everybody. So the Pareto principle, it basically means that, and it applies across the board, that 20% of our effort yields 80% of our result. And the other 80% of our effort yields only 20% of our result. And this is true literally across the board. You can look at your business right now, and you're going to see that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your patients. And 80% of your headaches comes from 20% of your employees. It's just, that's just the way it is. So if we are already constrained for time, we need to figure out, okay, so what is 20% of personal branding that I can, what is that 20% that is going to give me the 80% of the results? And I'm going to, I'm going to go all in on that 20%. And the other 80%, I'm going to ignore. And that's what I tell them. Like, don't put it into your back of your mind. Don't open up that YouTube channel just because you might want to, because it's just going to be nagging at you that you're never posting there. It's much better to not have it than to have it empty. Same thing. If you hate Instagram, why do you have an Instagram profile? <laughs> like, seriously, well, because they told me that I need one. <laughs> like, but, yeah. but you need to be there. That's something that I always work with them. And it's also very important to understand that a lot of the times, the people that we're comparing ourselves to and the people, the other practices, the other doctors, or even the other people in general that we're trying to compare ourselves with on these social media platforms, they have a team. So if you're starting out, you're probably not going to be able to afford or will be even wanting to invest that kind of money and time into having a team and, and managing them and making sure that they help you put all those things together. Believe me, no one person can manage all the available profiles out there. So if you see somebody super active everywhere, they have a team doing those things for them. So just figure out what's going to give you the best results and double down on that. Now, I'm curious, though, in your experience, helping build personal brands for people in healthcare, do you have a social media channel that you find to typically be more successful than the others? So yes, there are actually two, two kind of like ways that, that a lot of the doctors that I work with lean on to. And okay. one of them is obviously the ones that want to build their practice and they want to serve their patients, right? Or their potential patients. But the other that is actually very interesting, we've recently just started tapping into that, is doctors that have maybe been practicing for 20 years, 25 years, they're already thinking about retiring. They're already thinking about what's next. They've realized that they don't want to keep up 100% clinical at that rhythm, but they realize that they still have a lot to offer. So many of them are starting to see, oh, maybe I want to build a personal brand as an expert in my specialty so that I can be mentoring younger doctors, so that I can be helping them in this regard, so I can be making an influence in my, in my specialty. And the reason I tell you this is because those two are different. What we're seeing a lot of is the doctors that are trying to build a personal brand to bring in patients, to educate their patients and to create those things. We see that podcasting is a great starting point to kind of like get the ball rolling because it requires little effort from their part. You're not asking them to take a huge risk personally because they're not as uncomfortable recording audio as they are recording video and all those things. So it's a great way to kind of like dip their toes in. And then other channels like Instagram mostly is one that we're seeing, many of our clients are seeing results in. But the importance is you need to be very consistent. And unfortunately, we're at a point right now where Facebook and Instagram they're pay to play. You want to grow, you need to put in some money. Not a lot, 
but also don't, it's no longer free. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to come up with the perfect pose that is just going to make you go viral. That ship has sailed. Yeah, certainly not without kittens. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And even kittens, you need to pay for ads. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, though, when we talk about physicians in general who want to influence other physicians, we're seeing LinkedIn is a great, great, great place to get started. LinkedIn is leaning heavily on becoming a content platform. Many of us had LinkedIn before we even had Facebook or before we even, obviously, Instagram didn't exist when LinkedIn started and, and the things like that. And it was just basically an electronic CV. And that's the reason why people went on LinkedIn. They created their CV, the resume there. And unless you lost your job or you wanted to move to a different one, you really didn't log into LinkedIn. But it's becoming a very rich content platform where we're seeing a lot of, a lot of people cement themselves as, as experts in their field. It's not really valuable for those looking for patients, although there are exceptions. And I can give you a lot of doctors who are doing a great job at targeting their patients who are professionals, right? So for instance, Dr. Brian Dorick, and he's a GI in Miami. He's a gastroenterologist. He does a lot of posts on cancer screening. And who's at risk of cancer screening? People in their 40s with certain risk factors and things like that. So they have a LinkedIn profile. They're professionists. They're not necessarily doctors. But on the other hand, those physicians who are working with younger doctors who want to create a difference, who, who want to make a difference, who want to create an impact, it's a great platform for that. And now as we kind of get closer to the finish line here, do you have a, a favorite success story of a, a doc that you've worked with who was able to kind of go from zero to hero and monetize their personal brand? I think that's actually a really good question because there's many ways to monetize it. And that is a tricky question. Whenever I'm talking to somebody and they're thinking about working with us, inevitably the question is, how do I monetize this? So it's important to think that you don't monetize it directly or most of the case, most of the time, you don't monetize it directly as to, oh, I want to you know, grow to a certain level so that I can sell ads, so that I can get a sponsor, so I can do all those things. And frankly, most doctors, they don't want to be peddling vitamins and, and multi-mineral <laughs> concoctions, right? So really, how do you monetize it is building that platform so that number one, you can build your practice because you're putting yourself out there. And number two, indirectly, as we said at the beginning, So you're making yourself available for speaking engagements. You're making yourself noticed for book deals. You're making yourself noticed for interviews or podcasts like we're doing right now, you know, web series, things like that. And eventually you start hanging out with bigger people. You start becoming that known for person. And so to answer your question, so a good friend of mine, he works in, he's he's in LA and he works a lot with the Hispanic community and he's been, he's been growing quite a bit. And, and I haven't, we haven't even been doing a lot of work for him. It's just kind of like helping him identify who his, who his target audience is, who he wants to serve, how he wants to serve them. And then the real, real, real difference is that he's showing up consistently day in, day out. He shows up, he's showing up on Instagram. She's showing up on LinkedIn. He's showing up on Facebook. And he's creating all these posts and he's getting to the point where he, he's been presented awards for his contributions to the Hispanic community. He's kind of like almost a spokesperson throughout the COVID pandemic for Hispanics in all of Southern California, which is not no small feat. And really he's getting known and he's actually employed, which is a funny thing, but it's just a matter of time when somebody comes in and offers him a book deal, when somebody comes in and offers him a spot on 
Hispanic news right. or anything like that because he has identified that he's been growing that and it just yields results. Now, it's taken him 18 to 24 months to get to that point. That's, now, that's do difficult. We, and do we need to keep his name a secret or should we give him a shout out? Oh, here no, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah who, for sure. So, so he's Ilan Shapiro. Ilan Shapiro. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, and if I'll, you're listening, I'll, I'll put congrats. you in touch with him as well so that you can have him here. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. So I guess as we get ready to wrap up, you've got great business focused on helping docs build a personal brand. I've mentioned it a couple of times here, practice growth formula. You've got the, the offshoot to help those that want to start a podcast. How can people track you down, Dr. E? Well, they can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Funnily enough, that's where I'm most active. I'm on a lot of different ones. Uh, it's, it's on LinkedIn that I'm, that I'm personally active on. If not, just go to pgformula.com. We regularly do free trainings on personal brand building. For doctors, we also have a paid workshop that is four days straight with four sessions and they are live. So you log in, I log in with a group of you know five to 10 other doctors on Zoom and we just work it out. Four days, we help you identify your who you want to serve, how you want to serve them, create your brand persona and really just start working at it. So you just go to pgformula.com and you can find all the info there. If you want to start a podcast, if you want to get in touch, you want to see all of our online programs and it'll be my honor because I am on a mission to return the business of healthcare into the hands of physicians. A noble mission indeed. And in case you're listening to this and driving or couldn't write their website down, we'll link to it in the show notes below. So you can look at that later. Uh, Again, pgformula.com. Dr. Ernesto Gutierrez, thank you so much for your time today, for being with us and just sharing your energy around helping doctors reclaim healthcare. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for the invitation, Shane. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. As always, we invite you to subscribe. That way you'll know about every episode coming out every other Monday. Also welcome your uh, feedback. You're welcome to email me directly, Shane at White Coat Well, if you have any suggestions for guests, questions about this guest or comments about how we can serve you better. Thanks so much. We'll see you back here next time. This episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast is over, but you're not alone on your journey. Spa Dameron Tenney has been helping physicians and dentists prosper through financial planning for over 60 years. To connect with us, visit sdtplanning.com today and take your financial wellness to new levels. Join us on the next episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast.